This is this is Miss Silver. What good news? Who's that spider? I why the United States is collapsing. Oh, oh! <laughs> Just having a real yeah, one. yeah. How how are the stocks doing this week, huh? How are how are the banks doing? How's uh, Elon <sighs> Musk doing, huh? How's oh fuck! It's been a great a week. Drink. It's the day after May Day. We've are it. We're two days in. Meltdown May is well on its way. We were supposed to reopen yesterday, according to Donald Trump. Like this is Six Flags, you know, and all the concession workers will be back in the stands and the ticket takers will be selling tickets because there's some prick standing behind them with a whip. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's customers with guns, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Karen's discovered that there are these things called guns. (laughs) And if you uh, try to make them wear a mask and you're fucking, I don't know, Auntie Anne's fucking pretzel serving restaurant then they'll pull a gun on you so that's fun uh by the way that's an actual stuff that happened in oklahoma so uh we might we're not making it up we'll get into it a bit later but but yeah stocks have been uh what what was it like a 600 point drop and like a 500 point climb and all that shit it's been hard to keep track of yeah i mean it's like volatility has been it, it's like volatility has been the same which is that it's you know completely fucked this is people gambling on the fluctuations in the same way that you could get a bunch of rich fucks to lay down bets on which direction a crashing airplane is going to fall that's a great way to put it, and honestly, given our track record, maybe we should be getting in on that plane crash. <laughs> Deadpool. Uh, well, actually, speaking of plane crashes, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway just pulled out of airlines. Oh, wow. Catch <laughs> that one. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I said airlines <laughs> might not make it out of this one, and I guess they won't. Can't wait to have, like, uh, fucking California air with Governor Newsom as the fucking head of their new nationalized fucking airline. Only one operating in the fucking North America. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Alaska air becomes owned by Alaskan oil interests. That becomes their primary business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because oil prices are still down. Like what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now. 
oil prices. <laughs> this is great because they've just been so depressed. WTI crude, $19.78. And how are... This is Black Horseman levels. How are futures doing? I mean, I realize that, like, yeah, there's still volatility because the whole, yeah, May debacle of negative futures. But... (laughs) Yeah, it's... the, The oil has not come close to recovering. It's not, like, catastrophic like it was earlier, you know, like, but the futures, they don't, they don't breach $40 a gallon. I mean, a barrel, they don't breach $40 a barrel. They don't, they don't anymore. Like Mm -mm. you can get futures for like 2022. They're like $34 a barrel. I am looking at CME group data. Um, the latest one they have on the books is, oh wow, they don't. Yeah, the latest one they have on the books is December twenty twenty three, and it is thirty eight seventy five, which is a fall of a dollar forty. Um, which is as a reminder, eat shit levels for offshore drilling, Arctic drilling, North Sea oil, tar sands. Alaskan North Slope, the deep water rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. Anything where it isn't, you're just pumping some of that light, sweet crude right out of the ground. Anything that isn't that is just fucked. It's fucked. Oh yeah, yeah. this is this is for um, yeah, this is WTI uh, light sweet uh, crude. So it's like. The heavy yeah. shit, like the back in uh, fields and all that, that's fucked. That's completely fucked. And but, do you have to say, Donald Trump did manage to score his first and so far only like foreign policy victory ever. Because <laughs> oh, it, it's come out as to what, how the fuck this agreement that this last minute agreement that we talked about before that stopped the bleeding in the oil markets between Saudi Arabia and Russia, which was like really last minute. And it still isn't enough because both of them dumped so much oil in the market that the market's just going to be swamped for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, is supposedly, as according to sources, Donald Trump called uh, Mr. Bonesaw and told him that if he did not immediately reach an agreement with Russia, he would be cutting off all military aid and supplies to Saudi Arabia. Wow. I guess, you know, there is just, you know, there is something that would make it. It's like, I wash my hands of this. I wash my hands of this. This is, this will no longer be my problem. I'll, I'll let Congress do whatever they want. And they've been, frankly, they're angry with me. They they want to cut your throats if you don't fucking stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing yeah. that'll that'll get you. <laughs> uh I it's kind of I never thought he'd do it, but you know, wow. <laughs> I could never have imagine ha- like I could never imagine Biden having the balls to do that. Yeah. 
I, I'm having a hard time imagining Trump having the balls to do this, like, because he's, like, consistently fucking punted whenever somebody's called his bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, it's just so amazing, like, to see our president become presidential in that, <laughs> in that he's trying to preserve <laughs> oil prices. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually did a thing that had an effect and achieved the yeah, desired outcome. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Like how like I would have never suspected that was possible. You know? Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 interesting to see that like he can do that, you know. And like maybe, you know, maybe he'll do what's needed, and finally just die. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that would be another That would be nice. Uh, like, but there's there's still, like, so much shit going on with oil. Like, natural gas is, like, the lowest it's been. It's not just oil. It's, like, nat gas, too. And coal is dead. Yeah, coal is dead. It's It's really amazing, like, that just, like, all of the demand just collapsed and at the same time as a price war. So it's just over. It, it is and, over. And renewables are standing over in the corner being like, hi, um, before this happened, we were more cost effective. We were cost competitive with these guys. And now these guys are totally unprofitable. How you doing? Yeah. And we don't do price fluctuations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that like, absurdly shitty Michael Moore documentary notwithstanding that came out on Earth Day. Mm-hmm. God. Ah, Michael Moore's downhill. It's jump. been downhill since Bowling with Columbine. Uh, but He just jumped the shark. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah. Um, Amazon stocks even went down. Like, it's really amazing. Like, that, like, everything is collapsing. Like, usually there's, like, stuff that is doing all right, you know? We've got, wow, we've got, like, Amazon stocks going down because they're like, oh, shit, our profitability just sucks now. Uh, we've got uh, oil prices in the shitter. We've got stocks just so volatile because everyone's trying to, like, bet on the next collapse. And now we've got, like, Elon Musk. Our own Iron Man, I would say. He's he's real life Iron Man and Batman and real life uh you know just Bob Page. Yeah. He's Bob Page. Bob Page. Yeah. He's all three in one and it's really beautiful to see him just melt down on Twitter. Doc You've been following Mr. Musk for a while, haven't you? That, that, this one is just I've got to say, in my totally unqualified psychiatric opinion, um, the Elon Musk meltdown substantially increases the odds of both the Larry Kudlow going Dr. Roxo press conference and the Donald Trump t- uh, Twitter cocaine OD. Because um, if this is happening, then yeah. And it's just... Like, Elon Musk has done some really <laughs> weird shit on Twitter before. And there was that time he was investigated by the SEC because 
he said something about dumping stocks and it caused the prices to go down and the SEC was like, this looks like stock manipulation. What the hell are you doing? I know. Like, the Trump SEC actually investigated someone for stock manipulation. I think um, he might get, he's probably going to get hit with it again because he just said, Tesla's stock price is too high, IMO. Like, yeah. how is that not just it's, obviously it's just him trying to short his company? <laughs> well, then he's all like, I am selling almost all physical possessions. We'll own no house. 11, 10 a.m., May 1st, 2020. You can look it up. It's blue checked and everything. It's How is this real? It's not just... I hope, like, here's honestly... The thing, here's the thing. It's not just... Like... It's so wild. He didn't just say that, like, oh, my stock is overvalued and I'm, you know, swearing a you know, vow of poverty or something. He all but implied that his lawyers are not looking at his tweets, which is a violation of the settlement that he reached with the SEC. Now, you know, it's anyone's guess <laughs> as to whether they'll enforce that but, they might be a little know. busy right now. That's that's fair. <laughs> it, I mean, it you one tends to get busy when you have been spontaneously anointed as the mad prophet of the market god. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I actually love this musk. I love uh I love like the like huffing paint and then going on his fucking Twitter musk. Like and honestly, you know, no hate no hate to anyone who huffs. It it's mm. real fun, I guess. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but the fact that he's like doing that and then like saying things on Twitter that he just like straight up cannot take back is amazing. <laughs> and then just and then just topping it off with after saying all these lockdowns are fascist and a bunch of other shit. I mean, he would know seeing as his Daddy made all his money from an apartheid emerald mine in South Africa. Yeah, like I'm, I guess that makes him familiar with fascism in in that way. But. The uh, he just like then caps it off, like and like caps it off with line by line doing the Star Spangled Banner. Like I, I'm honestly, we can't write this. Assume the victory position. Like, I am honestly wondering if, like, Musk is bipolar, and he's just straight up super in a manic episode. Because this is feeling major Kanye vibes right now, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 This is, this is bipolar wilding out. Yeah. Um, I I sort of feel like. And, And it's, like, it, obviously it sucks for him. But, you know... I mean, he might be having the time of his life, to be fair. Like, <laughs> for all we know, I mean, hey, I mean, it depends on whether you think being made like the death cult prophet is an enlightening or a, like, painful experience. I mean, maybe people. Yeah, yeah, you know, he says he, he intends to sell almost all physical possessions, and... Uh, like, he doesn't need any. He's still worth, like, $30 billion or some shit. So, like, cool. Even after he lost, like, $3 billion of his personal value. Yeah, so he's he's just very... He's, he's going 
wildly ham, and I can only wonder what Grimes is going through right now, because this has turned into a TMZ podcast at this point. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just... just... <sighs> we're... we're we're investigating celebrity economics, and that's going to be our whole new theme for the rest of the podcast. First 11 episodes, just normal, fun economics, gonzo-type stuff. <laughs> the rest, straight TMZ. We're going to have Perez Hilton on, you know? <laughs> oh, but As soon as they'll return our calls. Yeah, no, no. For real? It's shit is wild right now, and honestly, like the celebrity stuff is feels so lighthearted, even if it is like Elon Musk sabotaging his own company. Well, like over under, who do y'all think is going to be the next big like business or okay to broaden the pool a little bit? Politics, Twitter meltdown. Who do you think is going to be next? Oh, who's next? Um, you know what? Who's not next? Like, um, well, who's most likely? Are we talking? I mean, are we talking like real celebrities or just people who are a bit too online? Like actual like CEOs or like elected officials or like you know, see if there's anyone else who's going to take the Hessian way out. Um, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> I I've got to say, I want to say. This is this is kind of wild. Les Wexner. I want to say that he's the next one. Oh my god. I feel like what's going to happen is that he's going to lose his fortune in the real in the retail collapse and he's just going to go like wild. And it might not be on Twitter, <laughs> but I think he's going to go ham and people will like he'll finally be arrested. <laughs> Like, <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna put let's down on um, Rick Santelli's death ride. Oh, okay. I think he's okay. gonna do. Uh, I think he's gonna do an on-air rant after all the re- like I, in the next like. I'll say by the end of the month when it's obvious that the lockdown, like, the reopening of certain states hasn't done fuck all for the economy. He's gonna completely lose his shit on air. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's way better than the list. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I mean, I I agree with the uh, the Wexner one. Um, We could get friends of the show, um, you know, Brian Quimby and um, Brett Payne to, like, you know... (laughs) Sovereignsis and arrest um, Les Wexner um, and hold him for Truanon. Yeah, I definitely was saying we need Brace Belden on this one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we need our Antifa super soldier on the front lines against the pedos. Uh, it's. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of the front lines, the fucking meatpacking oh, yeah. workers. And. Oh. Oh god. That just that shit's awful. Like that's just because so like all so like it's important to understand part of why this is such an incredibly fucked situation is because American meatpacking and food processing since the nineteen eighties has become so insanely centralized that there's something like only like 
50 plants that process like chicken and like similar numbers for like pork and beef and all the other like basically any meat products so yeah anything happening at any of these facilities completely fucks the entire supply chain absolutely everything is super specialized and everything only like like for example like as we were talking before about like chicken like uh, egg chickens being egg hens being culled in huge numbers. Like there was like one farmer who culled like sixty one thousand of them because of the loss of commercial demand. And part of that is because those commercial places that take those particular eggs, for example, will only take eggs with certain shells or certain weight because they use them for like f- making fucking egg whites or something. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these, like honestly, like the factories, they can't really process food that isn't like the particular cuts, these particular shapes these particular, like, thicknesses of shells, that kind of thing. You know, like, uh, so they're, so, like, these supply disruptions are a lot more, like, they they have a lot of ripple effect throughout the whole supply line. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, it's really kind of scary, like, how bad this is going to be affecting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the meatpacking workers who already are working in some of the most, like, hideously unsanitary conditions that, like, anywhere, period, um, are, of course, not getting proper protective gear. Like, there was, like, one with, like, Tyson or something that was like, oh, yeah, we're giving you hair nuts. That's enough, right? Oh, God. And all this other just, like, it'd be basically, like, fucking meatpacking industry doing unusual, but now there's a highly infectious disease that if you get a non-lethal case, knocks you on your ass for at least two weeks. And, uh, quite yeah. possibly permanent lung damage. Can't forget that. Yeah. And they're not letting people call in. They're basically, people are not being allowed to go out sick. They're not telling people when there's infections. Like, shit's not being sterilized or sanitized. It's just, like, an absolute like... It's like We're fucking... gonna take a place that already breeds viruses and makes it... and make it worse. We're, like, going back to Sinclair's The Jungle. That's, like, what it is fucking getting to. It's seriously fucked oh, up. I... God. Yeah. It, it's It's not fun and it's not funny it there there's the fucking meatpacking workers are some of the most shit on workers in the entire country and the fucking it's such an essential service and even more so all of this like centralization means it is like so much more fragile it's like uh, in the fucking soviet union you know that, that there was that whole city that was just a bunch of steel plants. What was that called? It was in the Urals. Oh yeah. And um, when they had to start, when that like mountain ran out of iron, and they had to start digging in other mountains for iron, they started having to ship raw iron, like thousands of miles from Siberia to process it, making it like way, way, way expensive, and. No, it was a major economic burden on the Soviet Union, and one of the factors in its collapse was just centralizing steel making too much. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's and seeing that our food processing is this centralized is uh, 
very bad. It's very bad. Yeah. And this is, and this fragility is echoing throughout the economy. Like the biggest one, and this is one that is just breaking news as of time of recording, that Wells Fargo has officially announced they are no longer extending lines of home equity credit. Not tightening there's not tightening up requirements, not restricting number of applications, just full stop, we're closing the window. Yeah. It's and fucking severe. A lot of people have slept on JP Morgan and Chase doing pretty much the same thing um several days ago, I wanna say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was earlier the same, in April. The same, yeah. Yeah, the same thing but more quietly. Yeah, they didn't make a big announcement to CNBC and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and this is like... um, so for like our, uh, so for our listeners, like, I know that I finally understand. Like, this is a huge problem because you know, um, but could y'all, it, my, would y'all mind explaining why this is so bad? Because on the surface, it seems like you know, they're just tiny their bells, but... This is Great Depression shit. Nothing like this happened in international finance during 2008. Yeah. Credit lines tightened up. Lending was restricted. Certain derivatives were halted. You did not have a major bank like Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase both saying we are no longer extending further lines of credit in real estate, which is basically our bread and fucking butter. Yeah, that's that's really, it's important to notice that, like, one of the main ways people get, like, lines of credit for just getting by in, like, even just like, oh, yeah, no, I could use a second motorcycle, is stuff is they get a home equity line of credit. They they add, they take money from their home's equity and get credit for it. And yeah. so... It is a borrow against their house. They borrow say, against their house, yeah. They borrow it, against their be, house. With the assumption yeah. that the home's equity will raise in some point, at some point, it will improve as time goes on, and the bank gets more of that improvement. And that's part of their reason they extend that credit. Yeah, and, and like this kind of credit is this isn't new like banks have done these kind of home equity lines of credit and shit and like equity credit in general before but historically up until you know everybody started like fighting doing mountains of cocaine back in the 70s and deciding to just go absolutely fucking hog wild with finance that like equity credit was understood as I am taking out a loan to do something like improvements on my house or I am taking out an equity line of credit based on my business's assets to buy the building that I'm currently renting. Yeah, there's a like it was generally an investment line of credit that would be yeah. extended and then eventually, as deregulation deregulation happened and like financialization became more and more, uh, they started extending them as just general loans you could get that were better 
rates than personal loans and easier, yeah. much, much easier to get. And now they've kind of cut those off entirely, which means that A, they don't have the spare money to do it. They're short on liquidity, which is wild considering they just got trillions of dollars. And yeah. Where did the money go? Where's the fucking money? Where's the fucking money, Lebowski? Yeah, Yeah. like, no, they're gonna piss on... The money printer's going burr, but where the fuck is it going? This means that someone has pissed on their carpet, and they do not believe homes will be improving equity in the future. Like, they will not have equity growth. That's what they think. At the very least, they think that They think that if you sell your house, you will be selling it for less than you bought it for, or less than it was last valued for. And they also think that if you keep your house, that the equity will go down so much that it's not a good investment right now. Like, they... Or, this is a, you know, pre- option three yeah. for the most likely situation, based yeah. on all the other shit that's been happening is there will be no market to sell the homes in period. So yeah, their value will be exactly. entirely nominal. It, it's There's no... Because people can't buy houses right now because unemployment is over 20%. So I think the the estimates are really rough right now, but it's like at least like 22% because of the 30 million mm-hmm. applications plus the 4% since those 30 million. So... It's very bad, folks. Like, yeah, like we're this is one in five people. Yeah, this is one in five uh, out of the workforce, which is only like slightly over half of the people in America. That's how bad the workforce participation rate is. But it's it's very bad. This is like we're we're looking at like nineteen thirty two, nineteen thirty one levels, not nineteen twenty nine, not nineteen thirty. Three months after the crash. Three months after the crash, like, even kind of started trickling into start. We are already here at, like, the depths of the Great Depression. Yeah. The, and there's a and long way to go. Yeah. yeah. We've, <laughs> Especially because, remember, in 2008, J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo were too big to fail. And now they're completely bailing out of what is probably one of the things that they do the most actual business with actual assets in. Mm -hmm. This is... This is 1931 shit. This is straight up bank failures are imminent. Multiple bank failures. Yeah, no, this is what... This is what it looks like. This is what if you were going to wonder like oh it, what banks are going to fail well uh you want to look see if they're like uh if they're cutting off home equity loans you know if they're restricting lending so much to where they're cutting off one of the main avenues of lending then that's a very 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 bad sign you know this is like if you were, say, going to see what sectors of the economy are going to bust, it'll be like, okay, what are the major investors divesting in right now? And in January, that was oil. <laughs> like, this is a very bad sign. Yeah. 
that this is they're done. They're eating shit, and this is well, like the most current numbers for first quarter in terms of GDP growth versus loss are for the United States are all saying it was also at around like twenty percent, which is six percent higher than the Great Depression at its absolute worst. Yeah, yeah, this is that is. There's not going to be a V-shaped recovery. Anybody who's telling you that is on drugs. Yeah, no, there's, there's, like, like this, the, the recovery, the pre-crash levels are based on a level of production that, and activity that has to be ramped up to. Like, you can't have 12,000 planes in the air at one time if you don't have 12,000 working planes at the very least, because they've all started <laughs> rotting in their hangars now, and they don't know if they'll turn back on, because all of the fucking maintenance has been delayed, because they don't have any employees, or they haven't been getting the flight hours they need to make sure that it's a safe plane, that kind of thing. It's, that's just I mean, one, like, piece of equipment. <laughs> I'm talking about. Are what that? Well, and there's like the tankers that are literally floating with oil at sea because there's nowhere to sell it. Yeah. Or like that container ship that came into port in LA finally that was like chocker block with SUVs and there's nobody buying them. Yeah. Yeah. No one is like, no one's buying cars right now. And that's like a major sector of the economy. What happens when the car factories ramp down? They don't get to just start up. And some of these things, there's going to be a glut. So there's not going to be any incentive to produce anyway, because there's going to be too many and you won't make money off selling them. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the plane thing is a bit of a bad example. Yeah, I I don't know that much about planes. I I really don't. I, w- I mean, maintenance hours can be deferred. You're right that, like, they would have to basically subject every single plane that hasn't been flying in a while to a to a full, you know, mechanical inspection. But, like, that's that's normal. The, the anomaly would be that it has to be done across the entire, practically the entire fleet, because, you know, hardly any of them are being used. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not, that's not a big worry. The big problem, of course, is going to come when they have to send, like, half of those to the boneyard. And then, oops, they have to pull some of those back from the boneyard. Yeah, there's... And when, when a plane goes to the boneyard, um, that's much worse for it than just... Um, that's much worse for it than just like you know, um, just sitting there for a little while. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. inevitably they'll have to do that at least for some of the older planes in the fleet because I mean you're at the point that Heathrow's got is like growing tumbleweeds. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there isn't the traffic there. Period. Nobody's going to Ibiza or Cancun or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why Warren Buffett's bailing the fuck out of that. Yeah, see, and that's just like one small piece of this whole fucking puzzle that is just crumbling apart. Like, 
there's yeah like in all of these interconnected systems they have to wait for another system to catch up they have to wait for another sector to catch up in their thing before they can fully get to their levels and it's it's not going to be oh well time to turn the economy switch from off to on like <laughs> it doesn't work like that it just it just yeah. can't yeah so and like with the not like with the oil industry you know um yeah i mean there's part of me that's a little worried um that we will be experiencing oil shortages in the long term because of you know how they had to basically crash stop production um like all of those wells will have to be redrilled and i mean i'm not i think what's I'll... gonna happen is we're gonna see more volatility in the price of oil because these people that have been shotgun weddinged into stopping their sausage grinder contest mm -hmm. have very little that's actually holding them together and i guarantee that like once mr bonesaw can find a slightly better deal which you know he's not gonna have to wait that long i guarantee boris johnson is gonna be turning around and going would you like some tornadoes yeah. Like, we could totally put our defense industry completely at your service. Oh, hi, Sweden. You just completely ate shit and died. Um, We would love to buy more guns from you guys. The, this, like, you great, lovely Nordic yeah. neutral nation. Like, I mean, once he, like, has a moment to recover from Donald Trump act, like, behaving very out of character, um, then he's probably going to turn around and go, fine, fuck you, and get right back to it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's So we're going to see price. price volatility. Yeah. And price volatility means you can't, anything that depends on oil, which is basically everything that involves moving shit, you can't really, you can't plan very effectively. Like when this shit was happening in the 70s, just the controlled spikes that were the oil shocks of 73 and 79, you had widespread shortages and shit just completely went haywire across multiple sectors of the economy worldwide. Yeah, yeah. It was honestly very, 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 very bad. Like, the oil wars, they were bad. And, like, what we're going to see is that kind of going to be, like, the new normal. Is like, we're going to be seeing, like, well, there's a glut of oil. Time for the prices to drop to nothing. And then they'll cut production, and they won't be able to ramp it up when the when the supply gets low and they'll chop the price it'll be like 120 dollars a barrel or something for like two months <laughs> and we gotta remember like as scary as opec and the persian gulf looks at face value historically speaking they're not actually very good at proactively controlling the price of oil yeah yeah they, I mean, like, like whenever they've tried to, it usually ends badly. Yeah, it's it's not a uh, you know they what they did in the seventies was they undermined their advantage against America and the Soviet Union by by doing all of that and forcing them to to like develop domestic supplies and uh, other supplies and lower their use and stuff like that and. That's what's going to happen with this, like, 
with the cheap oil thing, what's going to happen is that people are going to divest from oil stuff. And so what if gas is cheap? People aren't driving anyway. Yes. Yeah. That's why gas is cheap. Yeah. Because nobody's buying it. So it's... And this is getting... And this, like, is going to also be happening in the middle of, like... I know there's, like, other podcasts that are still stuck in the political singularity and are missing the absolutely party-like-it's-1860 shit that's going on in the U.S. Like, not even exaggerating. Of This is shit that if we were talking about it for any other country you would be saying well that's a failed state that's on the edge of literally exploding the western states packed like eating colorado and like maryland and michigan and all that (laughs) remember the national unity government loves you please present your ration card the real heads will get it (laughs) Leave it in. It, this shit is... Yeah. Like, we're getting this 1860 shit. Like, yeah, this is yeah. countdown to... Like, we're starting the, the timer for how long until Gavin Newsom says, I'm calling on all able-bodied citizens of the California Republic to volunteer from the State Guard. Oh, yeah, no, it... It's... It's gnarly. It, it's really gnarly. Uh, I... This, like, this, oh my god, I, like, I love these Western States Pack stuff, I, I love all of that, um, but really, it's like, like, it's weird the order these things are going in, because, like, the Southern States started threatening secession, like, one by one, like, just randomly, from, like, 1858 mm-hmm. to 1860, but they, like, only started meeting in 1860. Like, where their, like, governors started, like, talking to each other, and they started sending delegations and stuff. Like, we're starting off with the states being organized together. Like... <laughs> and it's the opposite of the lineup that happened in the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Like, where the southern states are the only ones that aren't, like, meeting together. Oh, it's um, weird. From what I understand, they are, but they took a really long time to actually come up with a pact. And the problem is, is that they're not really doing much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since, you know, Georgia basically broke from the pact and was like... Yeah, we're we're just gonna reopen everything. We're just going to, you know, um, Let, let's Leroy Jenkins this shit. Kill, kill, kill the poor, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's gnarly. Like, like we're the state. We, we're having groups of states like defy the federal government right now. Like, like you know, the governor of Oregon extending the state of emergency to July 6th, you know, when it was going to expire this week in May 7th. And so we're like seeing all of this at like the same time as states are like banding together. And so like the power of the federal government to resist this is weakening at like every second. And there's like Colorado just signed up with the Western States pact and 
according to sources in Washington, Idaho has been extended in an invitation is currently considering it. Mm-hmm. Which, like, if the fact that I... they didn't reject it out of hand is kind of amazing to begin with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it's it's quite it's quite amazing, and like, like South Carolina. That's kind of the role that like California is taking right now in like kind of yanking all of these Western states along with their anti-federal agenda, which is, in my opinion, a good agenda. But it's definitely like goals that like Gavin Newsom has been setting since like 2017, you know, and so. Uh, like even Oregon was only kind of reluctantly pulled into the Western States Pact, like, and it's kind of it's more seeing where the winds are blowing. And even though these are only these like conferences that they're holding, these like lines of communication are um, intended only for they're intended to be these lines of communication to organize states of emergency, like. And organize how their economies are going to open up and cooperate on medical supplies and that kind of thing. It's the kind of thing that, like, the federal government should be doing. And they're replacing the federal government in a very, very perilous time. Which not even the Confederate states did with their Convention of Southern States. Especially with Newsom first promising that any protective equipment that was not needed in California would be exported to other states. And then, like with, like a week ago, stating, we have secured the delivery of these goods and have moved them to secure locations throughout the state, which will remain undisclosed. Which makes Newsom more subtle than the governor of Maryland, funny enough. The Republican governor of Maryland. Yeah. 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 Part of the ruling party right now. That's how bad regionalism has gotten. Yeah. And this one's like even more insane because like there was that like George R. Binks shit that we talked about with in Massachusetts with the New England Patriots jet like smuggling in uh, humanitarian supplies. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the New England Journal of Medicine describing how they had to, like, smuggle PPE around the FBI. But now we've got just the shit in Maryland, which is, like, this shit's rapidly escalating. With Yeah. Like, like they just literally said, we're holding our PPE in an undisclosed location, and we have the National Guard securing it. Yeah, they have like, all the states, for everyone who isn't, like, too knowledgeable about how the militia system works in the United States, um, the National Guard is comprised of 50 state guards. Yeah. And the governors have control of those state guards. And so when the governor of California says that he has secured shipments with the National Guard, He's talking about California's military of like eighty thousand men. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> or like in Maryland, it's something like 
something like 15,000 or something, like enough to make like a division. Yeah. By yeah. Itself. And so, and yeah. a lot of them are actually fully organized into combat brigades. Uh, like, especially because they've been deployed overseas in the Forever War. So there's a lot of National Guard units that on paper are militia, but in reality have yeah. a much higher number of like combat veterans than most militia units have any business shaking a stick at. Yeah, a lot of these are bloody. The Oregon <laughs> militia has a wing of F-15s, you know? Like <laughs> these are like these are like forces that have fought overseas and could in I mean like the California National Guard could probably legitimately stage a military intervention in the North in like the Western Hemisphere on its own, with some difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like California National Guard versus the Mexican Army. Uh, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the level at which we're looking. They at. Could give, uh, they can make a run for their money. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's bigger absolutely. than the Canadian Army. Yeah, ex- like that's absolutely true. Washington versus Canada. Maybe Washington might win. You know. Yeah, like New York could give like the like America's hat a run for its money. So when we're talking about the National Guards being used against the federal government right now, that's what they're doing. They're being used against the federal government. This is unprecedented except for eighteen sixty one. Yeah. This is state military forces are being deployed in a way that potentially puts them directly in conflict with federal officials and these state military forces are not legally accountable to the federal government when it comes to -to day-to-day orders and operations and when a governor declares state of emergency and puts like even like four the federal government to even use state guard and national guard units they need to get permission from the governor like under some circumstances they can bypass that but i don't think that will really matter if like say the california national guard or the maryland national guard are deployed protecting ppe that will keep their neighbors and their friends and their family members from dying and normally only a fraction of the National Guard can actually be pulled up as National Guard in most circumstances. Yeah. Like, they don't allow you to just draw the entire thing unless it's like, you know, an existential uh, conventional war. But by that point, you know, it, uh, the state-federal distinction is largely a formality. Um. <laughs> uh, so it it's like the thing of it is is like even if you know the federal government found a way to like spuriously call up um, the National Guard to deny um, to basically deny um, the states their forces um, like blurs okay so the thing with um, the National Guards is that a part of them is basically, you know, the Army, the Air Force, in all but name. Yeah. And part of them is the state militia. Um, and that cannot be called up 
for any reason by the feds. Again, there's ways to bypass this, but it's like that would basically only happen if there was, you know, existential um, conventional warfare. Um, like if, you know, we suddenly had to fight Russia and there were no nukes. Yeah, yeah, um, that kind of situation is really what calling up all the National Guard presumes. And, I mean, like, that's what a secession situation would be. And so we pro- so we might see that if secession starts happening, but I think we're going to enter more of a period of, like, 1920s Nanjing war- warlordism, where the governors essentially run their states against, as, like, independent with their own foreign policy. While the while Washington kind of just tries to be nice enough to not make anyone secede, like California's unofficially been doing that since 2016, even before like Gavin Newsom, like Jerry Brown when he was on his way out, and Trump was on his way in, was like, well, we'll just build our own space program, we'll launch our own satellites, and we'll do we'll do our own climate diplomacy. Fuck you very much. Yeah. No. Um. So that's already California. Been <laughs> California has been totally not negotiating treaties with other countries since like 2017. It they yeah. they've been uh they've been making like economic links and stuff, which are totally not treaties that are supposed to be negotiated by the federal government according to the Constitution. Um. <laughs> so so this this is like. Like, full stop, they are not supposed to have that yeah. power. But it doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. Yeah. This is like, even the South, under Jim Crow, when it was more or less operating as its own distinct, like, state within a state, never fucked around with shit like that. Yeah. No, they, like, we are really, we've moved into a lot of unprecedented territory, where, like, there has been, like, state-federal tension previously in a lot of different ways, but the combination of ways that are happening right now is really interesting because it's not like the pre-Civil War where they were like yammering about about like how the Union wasn't representing their interests and that the states should secede and stuff like that. They're being a lot more subtle about it right now because American nationalism is much more strong, but they are acting. The states and the governors are acting as if the federal government is their enemy. Yeah. There's not the rhetoric, and there isn't the overt threat of secession, but their actions belie their calls for unity, you know? It's it's like late imperial China, when you had the emperor walled up in the Forbidden City, and the central government was basically completely ineffectual, and if things were actually moving in a not absolute shite direction, it was usually because of provincial authorities who were doing pretty much whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, we're going to look at, like, California, like, uh, Shaanxi, where, like, the governor here is, like, just straight up, like, oh, yeah, no, we're going on modernization initiatives on our own. We're building, like, railroads and having a modern drilled army and stuff like that. But just one of the provinces. 
<laughs> the Newsome click. Playing out is just so, as we saw, as we're seeing now coming from Michigan, is just so absolutely like this shit is really coming down to somebody is going to shoot something. And then it's going to yeah. spiral out yeah. of control. Yeah, with Michigan, like, yeah, our, an armed militia storm the fucking legislature of one of our impoverished northern provinces during a state of emergency. Like, this, the governor was placed under the protection of the state police. Like, like yeah. No joke. That's this is nuts. This is <laughs> that's, like this is almost like we're, like this is like almost like frame by frame the lead up to like the mini civil war that happened in Kansas during the eighteen fifties before it folded into the rest of the civil war. This is like the shit that happened right before people started actually shooting each other. Yeah, this is some bleeding Kansas level shit. Like it, it's not. We're not quite at that level uh, with most places. Even Portland, we only have, like, large street fights. We don't have the level at which we're, like, 13 people die in or one like, fight. Or, run, like, long-running, like, yeah. Ir- Ireland and the Troubles level of insurgency warfare. Of just, like, paramilitaries, but- like, bushwhacking each other while the, like, official... Like national forces mostly stand around and go, God damn it, just please don't shoot us. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's what we've been seeing with the huge increase in all of these terrorist attacks in the past couple of years, where people are shooting up synagogues and stuff like that. Or like that so, fucker, like, a month and a half ago who tried to blow up a hospital. Yeah, exactly. This is the kind of stiff shit that, like, you. People right now, it need to get it in their heads that America is not eternal. Mm-hmm. And it's subject to any of the other any factors that affect any other country. And you need to look at things as if America is just any other country. The United States of America is just any other country. So if you look at these like regional conflicts and you look at this escalation of street violence and terrorist attacks this trend has been increasing in speed and it started before trump so oh yeah like this stuff chases back to the militia movement um the resurgence in the late bush years um like it was uh, the Bush administration was uh, the second one was a total rebuilding year for the militia movement, and they used the time pretty well. Yeah, I hate to say it, but they did. No, it, it was like the Obama administration for the left. You know, like the the pressure was taken off for long enough to where they could start rebuilding, like we have. You know, and the militias are. Probably the number one threat to stability right now, outside of the federal government, <laughs> which is just fucking, which has been fucking and shit I... up for a long time. And, and like, and these militias are like, they, there's enough of them, and they are sufficiently well armed that they pose a threat, provided you don't hit with them with something that's 
equally well equipped and better organized. Yeah. Like even with this rebuilding, like, they still are not like not even close to stuff like the Stahlheim or the SA or the middle class uh fighting league or anything like that in Weimar Germany. No, they're not nearly as centralized and and they don't have the level of equipment and support that say um ISIS had. Um so it's like the thing of it is is you, you probably if you're following this story you've seen that picture of like all those dudes and one gal lined up with all their gear and you know a lot of people laugh at them because like uh all oh, their gear is mismatched and it doesn't look like they're wearing it quite right but the the, the thing of it is is they've got good enough gear to do the mission they're on which is to basically intimidate the state police yeah because they don't have they're not rolling up with a technical with a mounted fucking AA gun or machine gun or something but they are rolling up with better they are rolling up with better equipment than the police so yeah (laughs) I mean, even if, you know, the police are wearing, like, you know, full, you know, level 3, level 4 uh, hard body armor, like, that that just means they don't immediately die if there's an exchange of gunfire. Um, and if they're only wearing soft body armor, then, like, they're overmatched. Like, what's... And people are like, what does, uh, what is an AR do you against, um, you know, the might of the U.S. military? But the shoe is kind of on the other foot here. What does a Beretta and a soft vest do you against a bunch of pissed, (laughs) a bunch of pissed militiamen sending 5.56 rounds downrange addressed to occupants? Yeah, like the the, the situation... (laughs) is also, like, if you think about it, people think of the police as, like, they think of stuff like Ruby Ridge, and they think of Waco, and that's, like, a police encounter, and, like, the police fucking dabbing on these guys. But that's the ATF. The ATF has actual paramilitary organization. Like... And they had time to get ready. They had a lot of time to get ready. The police... The police will lose against two guys. Like, they have people whose entire job and training is about charging headfirst at people who will be shooting at them with armor-piercing, like, automatic rifles. Like, these are guys who basically are one step shy of being a military unit. Yeah, that's the ATF. They only have, like, you know, like, a couple hundred, maybe, of those guys, but that's what they use. The police have SWAT teams that have, like, never seen combat, and they have the police, and they, all of these, all the police groups are famously terrible in a firefight, and are really, they, they require, like, 50 to 1 odds to win. Yeah. It's, like, so this is, like, this shit is, and what's so fucking insane about it is all these people that are coming out with guns, or, like, threatening, like, 
retail workers to the point that the city manager is like, okay, fine, we're repealing the mask ordinance because I don't want you to fucking shoot people yeah. over getting your hair did, is it's not going to matter anyway. It's like we said before, this economy is like so hollowed out and so absolutely rotten that like actually even the Wall Street Journal was saying May 2nd that what they've seen so far in South Carolina and some of the other states that started coming out much earlier and ending lockdowns first is these retail businesses are not rebounding. People are not coming out to shop. I mean, it's literally impossible. Anywhere near enough numbers. There was even like, like in Atlanta, there's like a coalition of like 120 restaurants that all went, yeah, we're still staying closed. Fuck you, Governor Kemp. Yeah, well, it's more that we're not opening our dining rooms. Like, because yeah. <laughs> a lot of these restaurants have stayed open in a limited fashion where they, the kitchen is open and they're open for like Postmates and maybe window orders, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it, that's, and that's what they're sticking to now because the, the pandemic is the problem. <laughs> not like, the part of the, the problem is. Yeah. The economics of a sit-down restaurant um, pretty much require you to have butts and seats um, for, like, you know, 70% of the service. You need... You basically can't run... You cannot run a dining room on a mandatory 25% of your normal capacity. That's just, it's flat out impossible unless you massively jack up the prices. Like, massively. And most restaurants cannot do that because they don't, they're not exclusive. Like, we're not talking about, you know, some fancy three-star Michelin um, place that... Yes, yes. We're talking about a fucking <laughs> Sherry's. We're talking... <laughs> yeah, th- this is shit that it, they... These are places that can't afford to eat this kind of shit for the cost of what it takes to do proper service. So of course they're not going to do it. And they know nobody's coming out. So it's... This shit is not going to work. People can run around with guns all they want. The economy is still going to eat shit. The people are still going to be fucking broke. People are still not going to be going out. I mean, like, when, thankfully, 98% of Americans think that bleach, drink that a bleach cocktail yeah. and a UV enema is a bad idea, you're not going to get... And yes, there was actually a poll that confirmed only 2% of Americans thought that Donald Trump's advice on, like, UV bulbs and... um bleach was a good idea it was in reuters it, it's real um we had to make sure that two out of every hundred americans thinks drinking bleach is a bad idea um thinks is a good idea yeah it's you know that's yeah that's like really seriously one of those problems where like you see and what was it like it dropped his like trust percentage or whatever like by like 15 points like <laughs> it went from like 58 percent to 43 it's just yeah like yeah no one no one really a lot of people do actually like maybe like 20 30 percent of 
people want shit to open back up, but that's not enough. <laughs> that's not nearly enough. This economy needs 90% participation. It yeah. can't get that kind of slack. No, like, so many things were running on the fucking I mean, they, this, they say in the like, restaurant business, um, opening a restaurant is a good way to turn a big fortune into a small fortune. Nine out of every ten restaurants fail in their first year. Things were fucking bleak back in the lost decade. And now now this has happened. And this is shit that's like... And and just to be sure, like, even though we're absolutely dabbing on these really shitty governors that are ruining... um, That are, like, basically forcing people to go back out. Because that's the thing that's fucked up with is that by ending these lockdown orders relief funds stop unemployment money stops insurance money for small businesses stops so they still eat the shit but they don't get any kind of compensation and so they're in an even deeper pile of shit than they would have been before yeah, but, yeah, you know, so it's not just them losing all these up. benefits. Yeah, it's not and... just them that's fucking up. There's also, like, fucking Mary London Breed in San Francisco, who we had Quiver on to talk about her. And how she's basically forcing the, like, almost forced the homeless into a giant, like, basically would have been a fucking plague pit in a convention center. Um, we have new updates on her story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great old London breed. Fucking, yeah, no, she sounds like a breed from fucking London, the city of London, you know? Like, <laughs> she is like the epitome of shit lib bad identity politics. Like, she ran entirely on, I am a black woman who grew up in the projects, pay no attention to that. My entire political career has been spent currying favor for the downtown machine and giving developers whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Reminder, she endorsed Bloomberg. Bloomberg! That guy had no chance. But she still endorsed him just because he was such a billionaire. (laughs) And so true to her Bloomberg form, she refused to use the of the 30,000 empty hotels in San Francisco and the 20 some odd thousand speculative empty bullshit properties in San Francisco um has declined to do any of that so the board of supervisors unanimously voted and said mayor breed we are ordering you to do this we are authorizing the funds get to it and she still turned around and said fuck no i'm going to let like the boars die in the street yeah that's uh cuz the cuz ultimately like it's a state that is built to function for the bourgeoisie and further their interests. And by just allowing poor people to stay at unoccupied places, that undermines the idea of private property. And the property owners and developers that rule can't have that, and she knows that. That's what it comes down to. It's it is it's horrible this is why so you know even if it sounds like you know state level officials are doing reasonably well or at least they're doing better than cuomo 
Um, you know, don't forget about the local shitheads and the local tyrants. God, that's so uh-huh. fucked. Yeah, but we at least we did ha- we are in the middle of the largest <laughs> strike wave since the Great Depression, so people know that it's fucked. Like the yesterday, there was a strike of Instacart, Amazon, Walmart. Who else? Target. Yeah. Uh, like both their retail presence and their attached um, company uh, shipped. Which is like, yeah. even for grocery delivery, that that company is pretty fucking evil. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, a lot of these uh, newer companies are they like built their whole business model on like uh, just minimizing labor costs and maximizing productivity through extreme labor discipline. So, like, the conditions these people are working in, who are like feeding us all <laughs> is pretty bad and shipped for those who don't remember they're the people who are like yeah so we need you to like offer to do um things for your customers over and above just getting you know uh, just getting this um shipment of goods and services to the customer like it, it was just like they were a massively shitty company to work for even before all the Rona stuff started up, and now it's just like you know just pure fucking unhinged evil. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really bad, and that's why they organized a strike. Yeah, and it's it wasn't the most effective strike. They're under some of the worst like, anti-organizing conditions to exist. Honestly, we're at the... We're, like, one level below assassinating union leaders at this point. Like... This is, like, I mean, the fact that there even were strikes at, like, Amazon and Whole Foods, which legit uses cameras and and software to, like, track their employees' every moves in some kind of 1984 shit. Um... Like, the fact that they're, people are even attempting to strike is fucking huge, regardless of that they didn't manage to disrupt, substantially disrupt business. Like, the fact that it's even happening is, like, no one, like, Amazon has long been, like, the fucking, like, top of the mountain for labor organizing. Yeah, no, like, right now. What like Amazon and Walmart are the two co- are the two companies that like are like the holy grail of organizing. Like, like any union wishes they had that holy grail, but they're not willing to quest for it because everyone dies when they do. <laughs> like, it's yeah. and so seeing any amount of striking going on is remarkable and it's unprecedented, really. And the fact that they we're able to do that, and it's and so far there hasn't been the like hammer blow response that ha- has happened for any 
previous attempts at organizing there is impressive because they know the militancy and they're scared of bringing the hammer down and finding out what happens. (sighs) Yeah. And and this is in the midst of, remember, this is the biggest strike wave since the Great Depression. Like, to give some numbers, there have been something like 150 strikes in the United States set or work stoppages or some kind of on-the-job action since everything with COVID started. And that, which is, like, more strikes in, like, about two months, basically, than the U.S. saw combined from 2010 to 2019. Yeah, that's the kind of strike wave we're looking at here. Um, There's, like, ten times the decade, the average for the last decade. Yeah, so if many of Y'all may remember the Bush administration when the last try to like organization wave in Walmart happened, where if workers started to organize a strike, the store would the store would just be shut down and everyone laid off. Like that's that is the level at which Walmart's hammer comes down normally. And the fact that they didn't do that is amazing because that means that they're too scared to that they don't think that they can withstand they should be scared they absolutely should be (laughs) and and like starbucks (laughs) did this in the late 90s and the 2000s this is not unusual they'll just be like no fuck it we're shuttering these locations yeah like previously they'd be like we're shutting it down we're we're leaving and now it's they're not shutting it down because like who knows what would happen if they shut it down this strike might spread like they the workers might just open the store back up you know like (laughs) a lot of these walmarts are in places as well as like say like amazon and shit are in places where they are the primary source of supply for so much shit like yeah like part of it would be a fear that you know if they like carried out their front and just wiped out all of their stores in a city for striking um, that Trump could plausibly use the DPA to start them back up. And yeah, or like he, he yeah, already tried to do like, that to me, packing plants. If things get dire enough and Walmart were willing to undertake their usual tactic, um, that's, that's what they would have to do essentially yeah and i mean like even then governors might do it anyway yeah you know like even if they don't have like the like explicit legal permission to reopen a walmart they might just reopen a walmart because like state of emergency they can kind of do whatever they want like they can in and it's not all states, but they could plausibly um, just—they uh, could possibly just eminent domain them, uh, all that shit. Like, if it uh, yeah. if it comes down to it, like look at what happened with GameStop in uh, Pennsylvania. Like their business license got outright canceled. Yeah, or it's, like what was happening in. Los Angeles, where Mayor Garcetti was openly 
threatening non-essential businesses with cutting their water and power if they did a capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, this is, right now, the, this is, for a lot of governors and mayors right now, this mm-hmm. is their chance to prove how hard they are. Like, to prove that they are, like, the strong man. And that they have what it takes to push... No, really, it is. Because in this time of crisis, it's, like, it's nasty. And the politicians want people to think that this elected official is going to fight COVID with everything they have. Because they're afraid of losing the next election at the very least. Yeah. You know? Like... And often it's a way to, like, just frankly increase the power of their office, de facto. And so by making these threats and by going through with at least some of them, like, these mayors and governors can just be like, oh, no, oh, fuck, I'm king now, you know? Like, like, really, it's, it's not, it's... They might be using their powers for good right now, but it's honestly more about being able to use their powers. I mean, it's like, do you want to be remembered as the person who sat on their hands and did nothing? Or do you want to be remembered as the person who briefly made business leaders sad, but saved, you know, the city, the county, the state? Yeah, and honestly, that's uh, the same thought process going through the the people who are, like, forcing through reopenings. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to save this county from, like, recession. (laughs) Like, we're going to bust through this recession and all be seen as, like, the savior. Which is dumb. (laughs) They haven't gotten the memo that we're off the map. Yeah, I mean, like, in a lot of the a lot of the media right now is finally caught on to that. They're like four weeks behind us, but we're seeing stuff like, you know, MIT professors says, worse since Great Depression, maybe worse than Great Depression. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're seeing, you know, like major publications say, no, it will not get just get better, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. This is going to get way worse and it's happening in every direction if you're seeing these regional breakdowns you're seeing people like pissed off from below you're seeing like strikes that are literally like happening because people are saying well either i strike or i and risk losing my paycheck or i don't strike and i risk like fucking dying yes that's that's pretty much it that's pretty much that's the level that we're we're looking at now and like people are realizing their power as workers and i say this every podcast but we do have the power and like discovering that power and wielding it is uh, a daunting and intimidating process and it's scary because the other side has the power of the state but right now the state is backing off so we're seeing this strike wave, where people have are tired of being treated like shit, and they're discovering their power. So I'm very happy about that, and I do think that 
what we're seeing is this we're seeing far more radicalization on the left side of things over the past few years than the right. The right has been getting recuperated with the election of Trump and that honestly I think defangs them a lot. They shot their wad in 2017. I mean these guys that are coming out now this they're actively putting themselves at risk of mass infection like and we've seen this already like some of the places that yeah. like the day after like rally so first rallies happened they were reporting spikes in covid infections so yeah if you look at like the difference between like the right wing rallies and counter protests of like 2017 where like the media was all like you know right wing free speech warriors get you know dead in street fights with Antifa, you know? And, like, that's how it was covered. And now it's, like, right now, it's, like, local idiots infect themselves with corona. <laughs> like, that's the headlines. And so they're sabotaging themselves. Yeah. Like, like if, if them forcing a reopening of the economy could actually lead to a genuinely positive outcome, then this would be a very dangerous but a pen- potentially beneficial political gamble that would if you know covid wasn't covid like breathe new life into the american far right but instead there's no good outcome from what they're doing mm-hmm. so they're gonna bite it yeah no they're they're like the whatever action they take they're going to look bad and the outcome is going to be bad for them Whereas right now the left is avoiding mass gatherings and is we're using our power as workers to, you know, force concessions. There's been a lot of concessions forced with the recent strikes, often just getting exactly what they want in terms of like uh, mask supplies, sanitation, crowd control, that kind of thing. Like you see the Walmart by my house we've got like they don't let people bring their reusable bags in all the employees have masks there's sanitizer everywhere there's like ropes guiding people so that they all go into the right places near the entrance and like only at a certain rate and it's that's the kind of thing that's happened because of the labor militancy and I think it's like I think the big thing of it is, is like, we're in uncharted territory. We are, we're in a political singularity right now. Um, like, the normal processes of everything have pretty much stopped. Um, and so yeah. it's like, I think with the, with the far right... Um, I mean, some of them are taking this seriously, um, but, yeah, most, most are not, um, is the Yeah, and, you know, the far right's detachment from reality is really biting them in the ass right now. (laughs) Like, normally they're like, they can keep that stuff low-key and, like, be like, you know, like, oh, we're out here protesting free speech for some reason. And, like, it's like, okay, but, like, how is your free speech 
being oppressed or something. Well, it's being oppressed by people, like, also being out here. Okay. <laughs> like, and, like, the newspapers will, like, kind of buy that and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're so far out there now that, like, the media just can't fucking, they don't get it. They're, they're just like, what the fuck is going on with these people? <laughs> and like, they've like... tried, a lot of the more right-wing rags have tried to, like, cover this positively. But they always end up looking stupid, you know? And it's gonna faceplant, so it's, the, it's not gonna pay off. And... It's not gonna work, and it's the everything is flying apart. Like we're so past the point of the elections even really mattering. Like assuming they even happen in a free and fair fashion. Because let's remember, we believe Tara Reid, and that phone call with her mom to Larry King, confirming something happened, was leaked by a right wing outlet. If they had that, what else do you think they have? Like, they're probably sleeping on... What they're probably doing is they're sleeping on the really damaging stuff until they... um, Until they actually, you know, need it. Because right now, they they have no shortage of material to, to hit him with, but they don't want to... They don't want to blow it to the point where, like they pick where the Democratic National Convention picks anyone else. Picks anyone else. Like, yeah, there's there's a certain level at which they won't undermine this, but ultimately it kind of doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and because of things like vote suppression, and I mean, I mean, the fact that the shit libs haven't managed to connect the dots of if Donald Trump, according to them, was willing to fuck around with the Ukrainian government to rat fuck Joe Biden, what makes them think he didn't do other things to rat fuck Joe Biden? That would be more on the Nixon scale of fuckery. Like, and that I mean, plus vote suppression and all this shit flying apart regionally, it's. Yeah. Like, the, what matters is the shit you're doing in your community and on the job. Yeah, yeah. Like, ultimately, Biden's response to this crisis would be fundamentally similar to. Trump's like you see this with like the Democrats they're the the congressional Democrats want two degrees more bailout than the Republicans they've they've positioned themselves as wanting more than than the Republicans but they don't that they're saying things like Pelosi is saying that she's starting to consider maybe looking at $1,000 a month for everyone like they're realizing that guillotine insurance is a thing, and they're watching the governors leave them in the dust. Yeah, I mean, but they're not putting forward a thousand dollars a month. They say that they're like starting to maybe consider looking into it. Like if it's that's the level at which the Democrats are right now, and like the Republicans, honestly, are only like a degree or two behind that. Yeah. And some of them are significantly beyond that. Like, like you know, like the fascists and the centrists. Like, fucking Mitt Romney, he's like, you know, try, he's all advocating for basic income right now. And Pelosi isn't. 
you know, Tom Cotton is advocating for, like, everyone getting $2,000 a month or some weird shit like that. And, you know, Schumer isn't. Like, that's... So we're looking at... And in the middle of all this, we have the, uh, like, of, like, the federal government effectively being rudderless and useless when Donald Trump's not recommending people drink bleach and the Democratic Party at the federal level being completely, like, a fucking used condom at this point is is that you've got floating around the like ticking time bomb called how long until federal officials are trading fire with state guard yeah yeah like at some point this this electoral bullshit just ceases to matter yeah shit something's gonna give and if and to entertain just for a moment just for two seconds to make the biden people feel like, you know, we recognize you exist. Um, Congratulations, we know that you breathe and have a heartbeat. Um, Is, even if Biden somehow got in office, anyone who seriously thinks that this Republican Party is going to do anything less than what they did for the entire Obama administration is on crack. And if they think that he's magically going to de-escalate these tensions, it's... I mean, he's not. I mean, going some of to his be... picks, some of his picks have been actively threatening to blow them up, like fucking Beto O'Rourke is his gun czar, and yeah, no, this, Larry Summers this... is his economic advisor, the same Larry Summers who has like a pile of bodies that's comparable to some like lesser war criminals. Okay, no, it's comparable to the greater war criminals. I'm gonna put my foot down on there. Millions yeah. of Russians died because of the shock doctrine. No, yeah, that's true. He is absolutely this... a class A war criminal. If the capitalists get to flip their shit over, I mean, not wrongly, killing 10 million people under Stalin was awful, period, end of. But if they get to bring that into the discussion, then we get to say, well, guess what? Here's Larry Summers' pile of bodies. Yeah. That's yeah. on you. That's on capitalism. If you can say that these people who died as a result of Stalin's policies are on Stalin's hands, then we get to say that the people who died of Larry Summers' policies are in his hands. Yeah. 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 No, no. That's perfectly it. Like, you can't... This guy is, like, really, like... He's as bad as those fucking, like, guys in Yugoslavia at the same time. You know, like... He's basically just a nice, tame version of Elliot fucking Abrams. He killed millions of people without a pandemic. So, that's the kind of cabinet we'd be looking at if Joe Biden was in power. And so, fundamentally, I do not think that he would save us all from Trump's ravages. Because the ravages are just the ravages of like the basic economic policy that's been going for the past forty five years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bernie might have done something, but it's over. It's over. Yeah. Like, barring so, the system uh, had its chance to save itself. Uh, barring some like fucking sweep sweep bullshit where like the DNC and Bernie come up with some kind of compromise to put forward like Jay Inslee as a unity candidate or something equally like unlikely. That could actually work, and that's why they won't do it. Yeah, yeah. 
because like, we live in the dumbest goddamn timeline. And more to the point, they don't want to win. They don't want to win. They're they are the worst opposition party to ever exist. So put it in in the workplace. Put it in with your coworkers, with the people in your building, because that's where it's that's where you're really going to do shit that's going to keep you alive through this and give you a fighting chance when the dust settles and the next round gets started. Because this is yeah. just this is just the beginning. The the economic abyss that has opened up under capitalism's feet has only just started. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I'm going to go out there and say something really controversial. Mm-hmm. Connect with your church more. They'll probably have food. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, you know, if you're Jewish, connect with your local synagogue. Even if it is orthodox, just fucking do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Organize um, whatever spaces you got. <laughs> yeah, like, having any amount of connection with the community is going to be really important this coming year. Yeah. Because yeah. so, politics is not, you know, just writing some shit on a ballot. Or punching a few cards every four years. Or talking shit on Twitter. Or talking shit on Twitter. That's fun. Don't confuse that for action. So, keep at the action, and I I guess that's a good place Yeah, this week. We read, we read this shit, so uh, I guess you don't have to. That's, uh, that's our tagline i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah well, our kink is but, being is staring contests with the cthulhu that is economic man. <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed like we we do, we delve into the profane text so that you don't have to you can pay cnbc no mind you can pay bloomberg no mind you don't have to care about any of this stuff because we'll explain the important stuff to you. That's been yeah. kind of our goal, you know. So put down the Wall Street Journal before it turns you mad, like the goddamn Necronomicon, mm-hmm. and just listen to our soothing voices yelling about how we need to eat the rich. <laughs> yep. Well, that's been a week. Yeah. See y'all next time. Peace out. This is Chop Shop Economics.